0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from the Executive Director of the Canadian Seed Growers Association. Up first in today's country comments, we'll talk about the risk of crop diseases with David Kaminsky with Manitoba Agriculture. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is David Kaminsky with Manitoba Agriculture to talk about some of the crop disease issues facing farmers.
1: Root rots are the things in the pathology world that um, we probably are concerned about at this time, in addition to the stresses that uh, have been on crops because of too much water. And I'm talking about crops that were already in the ground before it got so wet. There are lots of rebroad organisms, but uh, at this time, I want to key in on two, um, the first one being Pythium and the second one being Phytophthora. First of all, um, Pythium is a fungus in uh, the group of fungi called water molds, and uh, they thrive in wet conditions and even in uh, oxygen-deprived situations. And that's what the roots are experiencing when the soil is completely saturated. Roots need both air and water in order to uh, thrive and and do well. So Pythium attacks under these conditions, and uh, where it attacks is on the the fine feeder roots of the plant. And it can chew away at those, um, the outer surface of those uh, tiny roots, Um, can be so decayed that they just slough off. Um, And if you dug up plants, you might not even see that happening. But it's a real setback for the plants, and the plants will have to regenerate new feeder roots. And until the soil gets a little drier, um, water starts draining away, and there being oxygen in, in the root zone um, the plants don't have much chance of recovery. They will, to some extent, once the water is gone, but you'll probably see lingering effects of that infection.
0: Now, are there um, certain crops where this is more of a concern?
1: Well, um, Pythium is pretty broad spectrum. There are many species in that genus, um, but the ones that are found in our field soils. Uh, where we grow annual crops, um, they generally attack both broadleaf crops and uh, the cereals. So, yeah, it affects virtually all crops under these conditions. Um, the other fungus that I want to talk about, Phytophthora, is a little bit more specific. Phytophthora is in the same family as Pythium in that group, known as the water molds. And so it's likely to um, begin to work on the plants in in wet conditions. And later in the season, it can actually move the taproot onto the stems. And I mentioned it's more specific uh, by crop. And generally, the ones that we're concerned about are on broadleaf crops, and in particular, the legumes. So soybean is a big crop that we grow in Manitoba and, um, there is a species Phytophthora sojae that is quite specific to soybeans.
0: Any other concerns here at this point or?
1: Not necessarily concerns, Corey, but, um, in looking at their situation, uh, if growers have time to, uh, be concerned about this thing or they're getting their agronomist to, to look at these sorts of things, um, They might want to review what seed treatments were on the seeds that they put in the ground. Um, There are lots and lots of seed treatments, and I hesitate from mentioning any names, uh, singling out products, but seed treatments today generally contain three different active ingredients, sometimes four uh, with different modes of action. And uh, it's the seed treatments that contain a group four. Uh, active ingredient, they're more effective against these water molds, against Pythium and phytophthora. So if that group was not represented in the seed treatment you're using, uh, you may be at a little bit more of a disadvantage. But seed treatments, of course, can only um, protect plants for a limited amount of time. And that's generally maximum of three weeks post-planting. So the longer plants are underwater, the less likely it is that a fungicide seed protectant
0: can actually protect the seed. That was David Kaminsky with Manitoba Agriculture. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Wet conditions are having an impact on seed treatments. David Kaminsky is with Manitoba Agriculture.
1: Seed treatments, of course, can only protect plants for a limited amount of time. And that's generally maximum of three weeks post planting so the longer plants are underwater the less likely it is that a fungicide seed protectant can actually protect the seed.
0: Kaminsky says root rots are the top disease concerns at this time and last week representatives from the Canola Council of Canada, Cereals Canada and Pulse Canada met with government decision makers about the establishment of a diversification office in the Indo-Pacific region. Jim Emerson is president of the Canola Council of Canada. The
2: issue is that uh, the Asia area, mostly Indo-Asia area, is the highest area of, of growth economically in, in terms of um, people moving into the middle class and having more disposable income and be able to spend. So it's a, it's a market where um, when diversification happens in grains and oil seeds, it's, uh, it's a high growth market. So we really want to focus in that area.
0: That was a look at today's Farm News. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire from Monday, June 6th. I'm Corey Canood. Coming up today, we'll chat with Jason Castleman with the Canola Council of Canada. Joining us now is Jason Castleman, agronomist with the Canola Council of Canada. Having a
3: an ideal canola plant stand of that five to eight plants per square foot and, and getting on target with that is is probably one of the most um, important things of, of starting off the uh, canola growing season right and with that um, uh, ideal plant stand, then the crop is going to be able to uh, handle any sort of uh, uh, insect and disease pressure that that might come during the season, as well as be competitive with uh, any of the in-season uh, issues as far as weed control and, and other and other things that are happening. Evenness is also very important, so having that an um, even stand across the field, so we can handle a few less plants uh, in that five to six plants per square foot range. If we have an even stand across the field and then we've got uh, opportunity for the plants to mature all at the same time to uh, flower at the same time and, uh, and just be able to manage the growing season a lot, uh,
0: a lot better. What is the number that we're looking for there?
3: Our recommendation is, is five to eight plants. So there is a bit of a range and ideally no less than five and no more than, than eight. Eight, uh, especially here where I am in the, uh, in the peace country because of our maturity issues, is, is a nice number, but uh, in those areas where the season can be a little bit longer and, and we get, uh, get a chance to, to get a few more days at the end of, at the, end of, this, at the, end of the year, then, then uh, eight is probably uh, on the high end. And uh, I if I'm looking at a field, I, I want to see um, six as kind of a, a good overall number that that to me I'm, I'm looking at a, at a really nice canola stand if I've got six plants per square foot. but five to eight is, is definitely the target.
0: And uh, Jason, uh, just talk about some of the best ways to measure that.
3: So what uh, we're encouraging growers this year is uh, again, like last year is to goette uh, uh, go out and check their canola plant stand at that two to four leaf stage. And so here at, at the two to four leaf stage, we've, we've had a chance for, for, um, plants to, to get up and going and any of the ones that, uh, are a little bit later are still there. And, um, by measuring with a, um, with a ring. So if you have a, uh, a hoop that, ha- that, you know, the diameter of that hoop for, and then, um, tossing it across the field in kind of a random, random areas. So, you know, don't get attracted to areas where there's a lot of plants or, or don't get drawn back to areas that are few, but do a random count across the field with that, uh, with that predetermined um, hoop size and, uh, and then count the, the number of plants that are in that hoop. So if you have a, a hoop that has a, a two foot square uh diameter then or area in within that hoop then you've got a chance to to count the number of plants in there and and then do your calculations the um uh, the randomness of of checking checking the plants and doing quite a few spots across the field gives you the opportunity to um see areas that uh, that you might not have gone to on your own but um it does. It does give you a chance to to get a pretty nice picture of of overall, so you can compare different parts of the field, and then um, able to compare different different fields to each other and see how well you you did at uh, at seeding time.
0: And uh, Jason, uh, tell us a little bit about the um, Canola Council's citizen science project and and what that's all about.
3: Canolacounts.ca CA is our citizen science project, and. What we're trying to do is encourage growers, agronomists, crop scouts to, while they're out checking plant stands and and doing those plant counts, is to, on canolacounts.ca, fill in that form. And what that information does is it helps build an overall picture across Western Canada of how well growers are doing in, in areas of plant establishment. The opportunity there is we can kind of gauge by region if there's areas that are doing really well on plant establishment as well as concentrate on areas that might have some struggles or a bit of a an opportunity to to make some improvements as far as their plant stands. So going back in and and this information is, is good for growers because it does give you that overall picture what's going on on your farm as well as getting an idea of of what's going on in, in some of the surrounding areas.
0: Talk about some of the common causes for for low counts.
3: So one of the things that um, that we're trying to figure out is is what is some what are those common causes and and it isn't just one. It, it is going to be multiple factors. So we can see where we've we've got missing plants whenever we've got some some seed depth issues. So seed that's been planted uh, either too shallow. That's that see where seed is sitting on top. Seed that might be a little bit too deep and, and is struggling to get up and out of the ground, as well as uh, too high a fertilizer rate that's placed with the seed. We we do want to see um, a limited amount of fertilizer that is seed placed. Uh, typically, just the uh, uh, phosphorus, uh, 20 to 25 pounds of actual phosphorus with the, with the seed is the maximum fertilizer. Uh, some of the uh, residue management that uh, uh, from previous crop can affect the seed. Uh, emergence and germination and also the um, uh, some of the um, uh, seeding speed so if we've got uh, seed bounce that's that's happening where growers are getting that uneven seed uh, seed placement in the uh, in the seed trench or in that seed furrow it's definitely a good time to, to go out and, and check that canola stand it's uh, give you an idea of, of some of the um, improvements that uh, Maybe some adjustments to make on that seeding tool or some of the practices that are going on farm for uh, for next year, and um, it, we we'd sure like to see growers uh, using the canalaccounts.ca uh, website. It is also available as a um, online tool as a for your phone or iPad to uh, to download and um, or to access and then uh, and enter information that way. So it would uh, be a tremendous help to. Uh, the canola industry to, to get an idea of how we're doing on the uh, plant establishment.
0: That was Jason Castleman, an agronomist with the Canola Council of Canada. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The second annual Manitoba Sustainable Protein Research Symposium takes place virtually June 7th to the 9th. The event is hosted by the University of Manitoba, Manitoba Agriculture and the Manitoba Industry Academia Partnership. Canadian Charley Association hosts its AGM June 10th to the 12th in Russell. Visit charley.com for more details. And the Miami Agricultural Society is celebrating its 25th annual rodeo. Along with the 113th annual fair, June 25th and 26th, the Miami 4-H Beef Club will be hosting their interclub judging competition on Friday evening and an open 4-H beef show on Saturday. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon, the Agriculture Carbon Alliance has welcomed two new members, the Canadian Seed Growers Association and Mushrooms Canada. Doug Miller is Executive Director of the Canadian Seed Growers Association.
4: Well, the Agriculture Carbon Alliance is all about recognizing uh, Canadian farmers' sustainability practices and their critical role as stewards of the land. Uh, No one understands the ins and outs of, of the land and farming better than farmers. And in the greater discussions and dialogues that we're going to be having around climate action and agriculture, farmers need to be at the front and center of that conversation. So for us, that's why it was important to be joining the Ag Carbon Alliance.
0: Yeah, and Doug, I guess just talk a little bit more about, you know, what this will mean for your members.
4: Well, at at CSGA, as Canada's uh, respected science-based global leader in seed crop certification, you know, we support innovation, new technologies, and and the sustainable growth of the Canadian seed sector. Um, As an organization, we have proactively partnered with agricultural technology companies to research carbon sequestration, cover crops, intercropping, and we're currently reviewing our, our production standards to determine what is needed to accommodate climate action tools in the future. We believe that CSJ and our members have a lot to add to the conversation around, uh, around sustainability and climate change. For our members, this means being part of the larger conversation. Uh, farmers understand the climate change intimately, the impacts and where action funding will have the biggest impact.
0: And about, a, you know, there's about a dozen other groups involved in this uh, um, alliance. Uh, I guess just talk about what having that unified uh, voice, what, what that will mean.
4: Yeah, so at CSJA, you know, we, rep, we, we are seed growers. Um, and we at CSJA, we are Canada's largest seed organization, representing about 3,100 seed growers from coast to coast uh, of about 2,500 seed growing businesses. However, we're not the entire agriculture industry, and we're not all farmers. By partnering with an organization like the Agriculture Carbon Alliance, you know we're going to be having discussions with groups spanning from livestock, fruits and vegetables, really looking at the whole uh, Canadian agri-food sector as a whole. So this is going to help bring better perspectives and different perspectives to the table uh, to be able to come up with uh, solutions for the future. Uh, solutions that make sense not only for seed growers, but all Canadian
0: farmers. That was Doug Miller. He's the executive director of the Canadian Seed Growers Association, which recently joined the Agriculture Carbon Alliance. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Agriculture value chain organizations are calling for the establishment of an Indo-Pacific diversification office. Last week, representatives from the Canola Council of Canada, Cereals Canada and Pulse Canada met with government decision makers. Canola Council President Jim Everson says the rise of non-tariff barriers is preventing Canada from achieving its full potential in the region.
2: When dealing with those issues, it's not the kind of work that a that a diplomat or a trade commissioner is really equipped for. Although we rely very heavily on on government of Canada officials in, in those categories as well, but it's more you know the the uh, plant scientists and people that are uh, focused on issues around um, uh, contaminants in in grain or or grain quality issues and and plant protection issues and so on and so. It's those sorts of people who, who we really need some support from in dealing with the regulatory authorities in some of these markets that we want to diversify in, markets like Pakistan and Indonesia and so on, where there's some real growth opportunities.
0: And farmers are being encouraged to review their types of seed treatments. David Kaminsky is with Manitoba Agriculture.
1: Seed treatments today generally contain three different active ingredients, sometimes four. Uh, with different modes of action. And uh, it's the seed treatments that contain a group four uh, active ingredient. They're more effective against these water molds, against Pythium and phytophthora. So if that group was not represented in the seed treatment you're using, uh, you may be at a little bit more of a disadvantage.
0: Kaminsky says root rots are the top disease concerns at this time. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have another edition of the Bean Report. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can meet us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.